Audio Mystery Theatre presents The Devil You Don't, a Felix Stone Mystery, with David Alt as Felix and Andrea Richardson as Joni. Episode 4. Good morning. Felix, the phone. Hello. Hello? They hung up. They'll call back. That phone's been ringing for the last half hour. Why didn't you pick it up? I can't. I can't get out of bed. My ribs hurt. Why? I was beaten up yesterday. (sighs) What have you done this time? I went to see Mr Grove yesterday. Mr Grove beat you up? No, they wouldn't let me see him. I didn't even get past the security guard. So, the security guard beat you up? Mm, he was a big man. You should have seen the size of him. Why did you want to speak to Mr Grove? I wanted to know if he had anything to do with Philip's death. And does he? I'm convinced of it. And I'm not the only one. Scotland Yard suspect him too. So, when exactly would Mr Grove have travelled down to the holiday camp to murder his son's friend? Grove didn't do it personally. He got someone to follow us and do the job for him. That funny little man with the Hitler moustache? That's what I thought at first. But now I think it might have been somebody else. Who? Ethel Craggett. What? She was there at the office yesterday. She works for Mr Grove. What as? A hired assassin? No, it's a coffee lady, actually. And so does that buck-toothed daughter of hers. I believe the Craggetts followed us all the way to the holiday camp, and there they murdered Philip. A security guard didn't hit you on the head by any chance, did he? Women can be assassins too, you know. And anyway, it could have been Mr. Craggett who killed Philip. The other two might have just come along for the ride. Here, you answer it this time. Uh, hello. Mr. Stone? Who is this? I'm Madeline de Costa. We've met before. Mr. Costa, how can I help you? I've been calling all morning. I only just arrived in the office. Are you alone? Why do you ask? What I have to say is very serious. The fewer people know about it, the better. I'm alone. I had a call from Jonty. Jonty? Where is he? I don't know. He, he didn't say, but he says he's going to drown himself. He called to say goodbye. I, I'm, I'm frantic, Mr Stone. You must go there at once and stop him. Go where? How can I stop him if I don't even know where he is? I heard seagulls. Seagulls? Over the phone. He was calling from a phone booth. I heard seagulls in the background. He, he must still be there on the Essex coast. He can't have gone anywhere else. He has no money. He sounded weak and depressed. Please, Mr Stone, you must go there at once. I am so worried. Why didn't you call the police? Why do you think? Because that will arrest him. You were the last person to see him. You're the only one who can save him. Hurry, Mr Stone, I urge you. And so we went back to Essex. It took us five hours to get to Herrick, the closest village to the holiday camp. There was one phone box in the whole village... It stood round the corner from the pub where Philip and I had gone to play cards, opposite a fish and chip stall where seagulls circled and squawked. That must be the phone booth Jonty called from. Let's go inside it. What for? We can try and get fingerprints off the horn. See if Jonty really used it earlier this morning. And how do we do that? I don't know. You're the detective. We need special equipment to lift fingerprints. And we also need something else with Jonty's fingerprints on it so that we can compare them, neither of which we have. All right, smarty pants. What do you suggest we do, then? I don't know. It's highly unlikely Jonty's still here. Why? Because he's been in all the papers. 
He's wanted by the police. If he was still here, surely somebody would have spotted him. Did Madeline de Costa actually say he called from here? She said she heard seagulls. Well, there's seagulls all over the British coast. I know. He could be anywhere. I know. Well, what did we drive all the way back here for, then? I don't know. Where are you going? Cliff path. What for? I don't know. Do you know anything? Not really. It's pretty here, isn't it? How would you go about drowning yourself? What? If you wanted to drown, how would you go about it? God, Felix. You really know how to ruin the mood, don't you? I was enjoying the scenery. Well, how would you? Uh, Well, I'd walk into the sea, I suppose. And then? And then dip my head below the water and not come back up again. Wouldn't instinct see to it that you did pop your head above water again? Well, maybe I'd take some weights with me to make sure I didn't float up again. You'd have to go quite far out into the sea to disappear, wouldn't you? Otherwise the tide would bring you back into shore. What are you getting at, Felix? I'm just saying that if Jonty really wanted to kill himself, he should have jumped off the cliff right here. Well, maybe he did. The police would have found his body if he had. Maybe he jumped off at a different place. But de Costa said he threatened to drown himself. Not kill himself, but drown himself. Well, then he swam out into the sea and drowned. Come on, let's have a look at the beach. What's that? Where? Over there, by that rock. Clothes. Black suit trousers and a white shirt. Isn't this what he was wearing when he entertained us on the piano at dinner? Yes. Well, this proves it. How does that prove it? He took off his clothes and swam out into the sea. Why did he take off his clothes? Because it's easier to swim without them. But he didn't want to swim. He wanted to drown. But he needed to swim out into the deep before he could drown. Where's his underwear? Well, he probably kept his underwear on. Why? I don't know. I don't trust it. What don't you trust? You were very quick in finding those clothes. They were placed very conveniently next to the steps. Seems a perfectly logical place to leave your clothes behind. And why were they folded? Because not all men are like you. Some men are neat and tidy and fold their clothes up. What do you know about men? More than you know. (laughs) I just don't know about this. What don't you know? Do you think Madeline de Costa is lying? I don't trust that dame. (sighs) Wish you'd stop calling women dames. You've got that from watching all those American crime movies. You're not Humphrey Bogart, you know. We should alert the police. you better put those clothes back where you found them. Come on. I couldn't sleep again that night. My fractured rib was still hurting and I couldn't stop thinking about Jonty. Could he really have killed himself? The local police seemed convinced and were quick to dispatch the news to Scotland Yard. Why would he call his mother to tell her he was fleeing to France, only to drown himself a day later? What could have made him change his mind? Surely he must have known his father would get him acquitted. After all, he didn't really kill Philip. Did he? Maybe Jonty did kill Philip. There's something about the crime scene that bothers me. I don't know the details. The police are keeping that under wraps. But from what I saw that morning, it had been a bloody affair. Blood spatters all over the walls. Policemen nearly fainting at the sight of it. It did not look like the setting of an ordinary assassination. This was a crime of passion, a frenzied, anger fueled attack. Jonty didn't seem the type to commit such a heinous killing. He was shy, quiet, and introverted, but then it's always the quiet ones you need to look out for. Years of suffering in silence, of bottling things up, of pretending to be someone he wasn't. 
could have led to this sudden eruption of violence. And it could have been triggered by the stress caused by my appearance or by Philip's reckless behaviour. Call to his mother could have been a farewell call. Not willing to tell her what he was really plotting, he made up a desperate story about fleeing to France, something he must have known he'd be unlikely to achieve. He told Madeline the truth because he wanted the world to know. He left his clothes folded in plain sight to confirm the story. He wanted a clear and irrefutable end to the drama. about those clothes that bothers me. They were so clean. He may not have been wearing those clothes when he killed Philip. He may have been wearing his pyjamas or he may have been naked, but considering all the blood spatters on the wall, wouldn't some of it have landed on that crisp white shirt? Oh my God! Nosebleed. Jonty had a nosebleed when I talked to him on that cliff edge. Drops of blood fell on his shirt. Those clothes were not the clothes Jonty had been wearing. They're a plant. Somebody put them there to lead the police astray, and I know exactly who it was. Oh, it's you again. Yes, I'm back to speak to my favourite receptionist. I assume you're here to see Mr Costa? Well, I might as well talk to her too, now that I'm here. But you have no appointment. Diary's still empty, is it? And so is my bank account. No. Are you telling me she still hasn't paid you? And I have a mother and a wounded brother to support. I've started looking for another position. I'll be surprised if this company's still going by the end of the year. Business that bad, eh? Nobody's buying her clothes anymore. Well, it's the war, I suppose. It's left us all penniless. The war, my foot. That ended eight years ago. It's her upstairs. She's lost a touch. She's stuck in the 40s. This is a new decade. People don't want elegance. They want clothes that are colourful and casual and vibrant and free. I cast my eyes over her apparel. She wore a white polka dot dress with red stockings. The rim of her glasses was a ghastly purple and sprinkled with glitter. Fake pink flowers adorned her hair. She looked like a clown. Sounds like you know a lot about fashion. I know more than she does. Maybe you should become a fashion designer. Maybe that should be your next job. Oh, I would, Mr Stone. It takes a lot of money to set up a business. And I haven't got a single farthing. Well, neither does Mr Costa by the sounds of it. <laughs> Mr Costa? No money? Oh, here we go. Now you'll see. A man dressed in white overalls and a white cap entered holding a tray covered by a piece of cloth. Delivery for Mr. Costa. You can go right up, Mr. Craggett. See what I mean? That was Mr. Craggett straight from the abattoir. Come to deliver some nice juicy steaks for Mr. Costa. Does this every Friday, while us lowly folks are forced to save up our coupons to treat ourselves to a couple of pork sausages once a month. Mr. Costa has a dinner party every weekend with beef and turkey and ham and... All of the things that are in short supply. Craggett? Did you say Mr. Craggett? That's his name, yes. And he works at an abattoir? Yes, where he steals the meat and sells it to Mr. Costa for a... Oh, you're off. Well, don't mind me. I was in the middle of a sentence, but no one ever listens to me. Oh, well, never mind. I'll let Mr. Costa know you're coming up. As I ran up, the smell of raw spiced meat lingered in the stairwell. Where is he? Mr Stone, you should knock. Where is he? Where is who? Craggett. I saw him enter the building with that meat tray. He left the meat tray on the table, then went out through the back stairs. Why do you ask? Back stairs? 
Why did he take the back stairs? Mr. Craggett doesn't like going through reception. He doesn't like Miss Peacock and always does his best to avoid her. Who's Miss Peacock? The receptionist. She's an incessant chatter and Mr. Craggett can't stand her. But why are you here? Do you have any news about Jonty? I need to sit down. Ooh. I don't think I ever ran this fast in my life. Are you going to tell me what you found out? About what? About Jonty. Oh, I found some clothes on the beach, left neatly folded behind a rock. And you think they're his? Uh, blue striped trousers and a checked shirt. Blue striped trousers and a checked shirt? That doesn't sound like the kind of clothes he'd wear. Stripes and checks? No, Jonty would never go for that. Ah, I guess they're not his then. I suppose he might have borrowed them from that boy he ran away with. Well, you'd know. You were the last to see him. Are those the clothes he wore? I don't remember. I was disappointed in her reaction. I had hoped she'd slip up and correct me about the clothes. So we have nothing conclusive? I'm afraid not. Well, what do the police think? They think he drowned. I examined her reaction. She seemed suitably worried, but worried about what? About Jonty being dead? Or about me not believing that he killed himself? Please, Mr Stone, there's no smoking in here. Of course. We wouldn't want to ruin the smell of fresh meat, would we? So what was Craggett doing here? I thought meat was still being rationed. I have a business exemption. It's not for my personal consumption, you know. I entertain business clients at my home in the weekends. Personally, I hate meat, but I use it to lure the clients. Wouldn't they come without it? Not anymore. Business that bad, eh? A lot of things are changing in this new decade, including people's tastes. I admit I'm struggling at the moment to come up with something that excites the retailers. And why is that? Inspiration comes and goes, Mr Stone. It's like that in all creative professions. Things will pick up again soon. I think I may have met Mr Craggett at the holiday park. Very likely. He was there with his wife and daughter. They go every year. His wife and daughter work for Mr Grove. I got them that job. They've been having a bad time of it recently and I I wanted to help them out. I've known Mr Craggett for a long time. He was the gardener at my father's country estate when I grew up. That's very charitable of you. Does that surprise you? Yeah, I don't know. It seems to surprise a lot of people, but I am actually a very kind and caring person. I suppose that's what being a woman in business does to you. Makes you hard. So, what's next, Mr Stone? Next. About Jonty? If you don't think he's dead, then where do you think he is? Uh, He could be anywhere. At least anywhere where there are seagulls. Well, I'd better be going. If he calls you again... Do let me know. So, DaCosta's business is not going well. For some reason, this season, the retailers are reluctant to buy her designs. Why is that? Has she taken a radically different direction? Or does she simply not have anything to offer? The first time I met her, I asked her to draw me a picture of Jonty's clothes, but she couldn't. Jonty, on the other hand, is an excellent artist. Could it be that all along it was his designs that made DaCosta famous? And that for some reason Jonty and DaCosta have fallen out, and Jonty ran off with the designs, leaving her with nothing to show this season? Maybe it was DaCosta who hired me via Carruthers, not Mr. Grove. And that's the reason I'd been so expressly forbidden to talk to him. Maybe the Craggots were charged with retrieving the designs and killing Jonty if necessary, but they bungled it and killed the wrong boy instead. Maybe in her desperation to put an end to the whole morbid affair, and before the finger of suspicion pointed at her, 
Decosta faked Jonty's suicide and had his clothes planted on the beach. This is the calling card Carruthers gave me. Carruthers, White and Dunn. Number 9, Duke Street, Chelsea. I think I'll pay the good man a visit. Mr. Carruthers, it's me, Felix Stone. I wonder if I could talk to you. Uh, who are you? Felix Stone, private detective. You hired me. I did? To find Jonty Grove. Oh, yes, of course. I'd like to talk to you about the case. Well, it's uh, not convenient right now, Mr... Stone. Um, could you not come back during office hours? He was blushing and clumsily reaching out for the belt of his dressing gown, which had come off the hoops. He was clearly naked underneath it. It's eleven o'clock in the morning. Is it? My goodness. I didn't realise it was already so late. I need to talk to you. I have some questions about the case. Let me pass. Oh, Mr Stone, really? So, this is your office, is it? Clothes and dishes scattered all over the floor? Business not going well? That you need to live in your office? I'm in between offices at the moment. Where are White and Dunn? Who? Are your partners. Oh, they're in the kitchen. The kitchen. The cats? The cats are your partners? It's a one-man company, Mr Stone. But Carruthers, White and Dunn sounds more lawyery, don't you think? So you're not a real lawyer? I beg your pardon, I am a real lawyer. I have my degree and everything. I'm just a little down on my luck at the moment. What is it you wanted to ask? Who hired you to contact me? What do you mean? Was it really Mr Grove? Would I lie to you? You already have. What makes you think it wasn't Mr Grove who hired me? I spoke to his wife. She never heard of you. Mr Grove's lawyer is a certain James Stapleton Smith. Has been for over 20 years. Maybe Mr Grove didn't want James Stapleton Smith for this case. Maybe he didn't want James Stapleton Smith to know. Or maybe it wasn't Mr Grove who hired you at all. Maybe it was Miss Madeline de Costa. Frankie? Get back in the room! What are you doing? Who are you talking to? No one. Just get back in the room. But I heard voices. Get back in the room, I said. All right, all right. You don't have to shout. Who was that? No one. My nephew. Your nephew? He's fresh out of school. I'm teaching him the ropes. I see. Anything else I can do for you, Mr Stone? You can answer my question. What question? Who hired you? Mr Grove. Mr Grove hired me. Now, will you please leave my home? You can see I'm unwell. I felt sorry for the man. I had intruded in a private little moment. Nephew, indeed. I've always had a soft spot for fellow queers with secret, illicit dalliances. Thank you for your time, Mr Carruthers. I sat by the river and thought about the case. So if those clothes were planted by de Costa, that means Jonty is still alive. I must find him. Not so that de Costa can get her designs back, certainly not. If she killed Philip, I'll make sure she spends the rest of her life in prison. Oh, why is this case making me so angry? There's something about Jonty that moves me. A gentle, talented soul who loves art and music. Soft, quiet and pensive. This world isn't made for types like him. He's been through so much. An oppressive upbringing. The press following him around, distorting his public image making him out to be a spoiled playboy. And now he's become embroiled in a sensational murder case, forcing him to go into hiding, lost and alone, 
while the whole country gossips and speculates about him. I must find him and give him the money his mother handed me. I must help him get to France where he can set up his own fashion empire. Chanti is going to succeed where I failed. He is going to break away from his father's grasp and make it on his own terms. What the? Bloody seagull just shat on my camel hair coat. What are seagulls doing this far inland anyway? Wait. Seagull? There's a phone box right there. Seagull? Phone box? Nephew? Oh my god. I couldn't believe it. I was dumbfounded. There they were, Carruthers and Jonty together, naked in bed. In this episode of The Devil You Don't, the parts were played as follows. Felix Stone, David Alt. Joni, Andrea Richardson. Franklin J. Carruthers, Ivan Wilkinson. Miss Peacock, Tanya Ridge Madeline DaCosta Catherine Siggers Jonty Grove Sean Mendham Craggett Mike Young Audio Mystery Theatre is free to listen to but not free to make If you want to show your appreciation why not buy us a virtual cup of coffee You can go to ko-fi.com slash audio mystery theatre with theatre being spelt the British way that is with R-E at the end not only will you be able to make a modest donation towards the production of new AMT Mysteries, but you will also find loads of background information about our current slate of dramas and sneak peeks at the upcoming ones. Do check it out. You can find the link in the show notes.